Tips from Trestle is brought to you by The Belter Companies, Navigator Group Purchasing, eMenu Choice Point of Sale, and Clark Food Service Equipment. Welcome to Tips from Trestle, the Senior Living Food and Hospitality Podcast. This podcast explores the senior living industry with a unique focus on food, hospitality, and the community experience. I'm your host, Aaron Fish. My goal for this podcast, educate, inform, and inspire leaders in senior living. How? By bringing the resident and customer experience to the front of mind in our industry. We should bring the passionate spirit of food and hospitality to everything that we do and everyone we serve each and every day. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Today on Tips from Trestle, I'm joined by Andrew Moret. Andrew is the Vice President of Culinary Services for Oakmont Management Group, the fastest growing premier senior living provider on the West Coast. Andrew, a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, leads the culinary teams at over 85 communities throughout California, Nevada, and Hawaii. By cultivating strong leadership amongst his team, Andrew elevates the senior living dining experience and advocates for residents to ensure that being a senior is an enjoyable lifestyle and not a diagnosis. By cultivating strong leadership amongst his team, Andrew strives to continue to elevate the senior living dining experience and be a driving force in the industry. Andrew, thanks for being here with me today on Tips from Trestle. Great to be here. Thanks, Aaron. I'm excited to get us started this year talking about trends, right? I, I've done a couple of articles the past couple of years on this topic, but I think it's more fun to talk with the, somebody who's in the trenches day to day, especially with the, the number of communities that you guys have. I mean, 85 plus is a crazy number, and obviously you're seeing a lot of different things, and so... I'd love to dive in and kind of talk a little bit about some food trends first, and then we can get into some kind of operational things as we wrap things up. All right, let's get into it. So as we talk about food trends, when we were preparing for the podcast, one of the things that you had uh, mentioned was you're seeing a lot of health and wellness kind of trends when it comes to food. What do you think's driving some of that? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question, and it's it's something that we're seeing a lot more of, whether it's over the past three or four years, people are spending a little bit more focus on their health, or whether it's our younger and younger resident moving in, pre-baby boomer or the baby boomer. I think that there's just a lot more focus that everybody's having, not just on their lifestyle and staying healthy and what type of exercise they're doing, but also what they're putting in their body and the nutrients that they're putting in, the vitamins that they're putting in and, yeah. and really kind of understanding what impact the food that they eat on a daily basis and put in their body makes on their life and their, their, their daily. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I, I've seen, and, and you can kind of back me up on this if you're seeing it as well, is that we're, COVID's in the rearview mirror. We're way past all of that. You know, we're back to normal operations and getting all that. And so really getting back to a lot of variety in menus and, and trying to be strategic in how do we offer the things that, that residents want? And so health and wellness is definitely playing a part in that, I think, because it's not just comfort foods will always be a mainstay, I think, in senior living. 
But as we start to look at what is what are we offering with that variety, the health and wellness aspects really come into that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when you mentioned that comfort food will always be a mainstay in senior living, I think comfort food is just a mainstay in, in your and my di- diet too. All <laughs> right. Yes. You know, I love me some fried chicken. But, you know, we do see a lot more focus on the frequency of the more healthy options. And I think that's done in a couple of ways. You know, whereas when I first started getting into the industry, an entree salad for dinner was rarely, if ever, ordered. You see a lot more desire for it. Also, when you talk about variety, I think about global cuisine and, you know, Asian Indian dishes tend to incorporate more vegetable, less protein as the center of the plate, like in the American diet. And really a lot of different world cuisines just honestly have a healthier diet than the American yeah. diet. So <laughs> a lot more interest in that than just your standard ethnic Italian or, you know, very, very, very basic like tacos. You know, there is a lot more focus on that worldly cuisine. And I think some of that also is the benefit and the, the virality of people knowing that of things like the Mediterranean diet or the Japanese diet. So I think there's a lot more interest in that. And we've been fortunate enough over the past year as we've grown our infrastructure, we've brought our own internal registered dietitian on staff to give input on the menu, not just to make sure that we're providing nutritive needs, but also to partner directly with our chefs to write uh, menus and dishes that are on our, our specials as well as our always available menu that are really centered around whether it be superfoods or more plant-based diets or just healthier, less fried um, dishes on the menu. So that's given us also a nice edge um, when talking about health and wellness and being able to still give residents something that's comforting, but at the same time, having a partner that can really help guide our chefs to keep that food healthy as well. Yeah. I think, you know, when I think about some of the, you talk about the global influences, I think there's comfort foods in all of those cuisines that are less, I'll just say, quote unquote, scary to residents and families now. And so they see the value and and having the variety of flavors. And one of the things I did want to ask you about, you kind of briefly mentioned plant-based and that's something that, you know, over the course of the last five to seven years as an operator, as a consultant, I've seen kind of an up and down, like we want to do plant-based, we can't do plant-based. It's hard to get good products, all that kind of stuff. But I think one of the things now that we are starting to see with plant-based is what's pushing us maybe more in that direction, not just the health and wellness piece of it, which is really important, but we're starting to see commodity pricing really have an impact on that. You know, it's cheaper to get uh, a vegetable-based kind of entree main course on the plate than maybe it might be for a pork or a beef or a chicken dish than it was even 18 or 24 months ago. Mm-hmm. And I think you see, you see two things. You see the sustainability of the planet and you know everything there and there's a lot of information out there wherever people stand on it you know there's a lot of focus on that right, right. we make this political a political i <laughs> best but i think you know to, there's also the the desire i think as well yeah. and i'm sure i mean we think 10 15 years ago to get a veggie burger it was the garden of life veggie burger that was it that was all yeah. that was on the market right yeah uh, and now there's you know, there's the black sheep, which is like a lentil-based lamb product, and there's Impossible and Beyond. So there's so many options, and we as the consumers drive the market. So I think as we see people be more and more interested, 
plant-based, we see a lot more plant-based coming up. Something that also is happening to us, we're a California-based operator, and we're seeing this year, there was a measure that was voted on in 2018 called Prop 12, which affects commodity products such as uh, pork, chicken, uh, or egg-laying hens, and uh, veal, veal calves. And that's going to greatly change the way that pork is able to be sold in the state of California. And with California being such a large economy, it's probably going to expand into the, the rest of the nation. So, and again, not to get into like politics and animal treatment, but I mean, just like the change of Prop 12 of when it comes to uh, hogs, whole hogs is they are going to need, what do we say, 24 square feet per cat, per pig of yeah. space to be able to move around, stand up. And that's very different than how we're currently producing pork. So that's going to be a major change to the industry, which is not only going to affect California, but like I said, it's going to kind of spread to the rest of the nation. So as, and and then what's going to happen with beef in the next few years? We don't know. We know the prices continue to rise and is the availability going to start to decline and not just from a health and wellness perspective, but out of necessity, I right. believe that we're going to start seeing more interest in a plant-based diet. So it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but it is a thing. And yes, very much a thing now. So we're we are definitely experiencing that here. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you bring that up, right? Because I, I think as we were preparing, one of the things we talked about was just like with other regulatory things, you know, a lot of times how California goes, eventually the rest of the country goes because of you know, big operators need to streamline their operations. So it has nothing to do with, like you said, the politics of it. It's literally just operational. This is what we have to do to make the most bang for a buck. Today, I want to tell you about one of Trestle's senior living partners, Belter. Belter is a food service design, equipment, and supply company that has been providing expert guidance to the food and beverage industry for nearly a century. A strategic partner to the most successful food service operations in the country, Belter provides support in kitchen and bar design, equipment procurement and install, and supplies. Their team of senior living food service experts have experience across the continuum of care. From independent living to skilled nursing and CCRCs, Belter specializes in right-sizing new facilities, modernizing remodels, and providing the right food service equipment and supplies. At Belter, they are committed to creating memorable experiences for their customers and their guests. With their top-notch team and a global network of quality supplier partners, their customer-focused approach is built on a foundation of collaboration and decades of industry experience. So thank you for considering Belter for all of your food service needs. One other fun trend that we talked about as we were prepping was mocktails. And I've mentioned this a, a couple of times with with different operators I've worked with, but I think this is something that's really going to start to catch on, especially as younger residents move in, but they have younger family members who are seeing this. And so you had mentioned you guys were doing some things around mocktails, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, we do. Our organization tends to focus a lot on marketing events, as you know, lots do. It gets people in the door. Right. Uh, usually those marketing events are centered around food. Um, sometimes in the evening, they're centered around wine, beer, cocktails, but those events going on throughout the day. And then also unsure of, you know, who's coming in and their tolerance and everything like that. We do like to start all of our events off with some sort of mocktail. Um, 
And in addition to just having something fun to drink, um, as you and I had discussed, it's also getting back to kind of that health and well wellness. You know, there are ways to include some of those superfoods or tonics into those beverages, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think that, as you said earlier, we drive the we drive the market, and I think just in general, all ages people are more and more interested in mocktails. You're seeing a lot more non-alcoholic options on menus and at the store, et cetera. Uh, so in addition to mocktails, also we tend to do a lot of juices and smoothies built around superfoods, which are healthy for the residents and also can have some pretty significant health benefits and ability to help them manage their diet and, you know, diet related ailments they're having. Yeah, no, the, the focus on the healthy aspect of it is interesting because even I myself, you know, I do my cocktails and conversations, webinars with Florida Senior Living Association. And, you know, we're, su I'm subbing out pomegranate juice and cranberry juice for some of the other higher sugars and, and you know, less healthy juices, if you will. But even this idea, like you said, of like functional beverages that mm -hmm. are, they've got probiotics and prebiotics and different things like that. Definitely are things that I think you're right, that we're going to see more of as operators develop their menus. So there's, we could probably spend another hour talking about food trends, right? But let's do another podcast yeah. on that. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. Maybe we'll do a mid-year, we got the food trends right or wrong kind of podcast. But, but I want to dive into the operations because there's some things that we talked about that I think were really interesting. And the first one was this concept of like multi-unit operations, right? And this isn't talking about, hey, we've got 15 communities, multi-unit. We're talking about food service operations inside of under one roof, having like multi-different units. And so what are you guys doing in that realm? And what are you seeing kind of out West in that kind of that topic around food service operations? So I think the standard senior living model is some sort of focus on a quote unquote fine dining, dining room. Um, that's what everybody's striving for. That's what everybody has been striving for. And I think right. as we prepare for the future, how can we give other options? Because at the end of the day, we don't want to eat at the same dining room every day. <laughs> so, you know, something that we've played around with is we have a, you know, a bar and lounge in a lot of our communities off the dining room where people can eat at dinner time and have a slightly different menu, more bar food, a little bit more quick service. You're not going to get the same level of service in there, uh, but you're going to be able to get in and out very quick and have a different menu. We've also converted some of those into a uh, cafe in the morning. And so, which has been beneficial because not only for our residents, but also guests and team members can swing by, grab yeah. a latte, a smoothie, a breakfast sandwich while they're going on their break or and even some of the residents have opted for some of those more pastry breakfast sandwich etc things at the cafe in the morning so that's been two different dining venues that we've been able to add uh, that have just given our residents more option and then and some of our work with an upcoming community we're opening we're looking at like a club lounge like you would have in a in a hotel that yeah. has additional snacks and beverages throughout the day so I think when we talk about trends and seniors and kind of wanting a little bit more, sometimes it isn't sitting down for that meal, but our seniors are getting younger and younger uh, that they enter into the market and they're looking sometimes for that quick bite while they go out to go shopping, visit family, you know, what have you. So having these multiple options that someone can come in, grab a quick bite, 
and then get on with their day. And then when they want to sit down and have that hour long dining experience where we pull out all the stops, they can do that as well. Yeah, no. And everything you're talking about is something that I'm experiencing myself. And I think you're, you're spot on. You know, I work with an operator in Florida who has developed an AL memory care, no independent living, but they're targeting that healthier AL resident. You know, they've got their dining room. They've got a, a, a waiting space. You know, they've got like an entry with a host stand for their AL dining room. You don't always see that. You know, they've got a full service bar, a full service cafe. And again, this is for assisted living. And they're very focused on the two aspects of that, right? One, which is creating that variety and choice, but two is that bottom line revenue generation. How do we create more revenue opportunities, not just with our residents, but with family members, employees, and even guests? You know, they were talking about putting in together programs for like the fire department, firefighters and police officers that come by the communities and visit and check in. So uh, making it more of like a community hub, community-wide, like city community hub, I think is something that we're definitely going to see more of as well. So I, I, everything you're doing is is right on track with that, I think. And so one thing that we promised not to talk about was staffing and then we're wiggling over into the talk about robots because I think robots have unfortunately at this point missed their mark. I think there's an opportunity for them to, to come back. But one of the things that uh, I think when it comes to staffing is that we're going into 2024 and, and staffing seems to be, a, for the most part, it getting better. I, I don't think it's perfect just yet. But I think there's some areas where we can look into what we're doing in 2024 around staffing that are really going to be key. And one of those things that you guys are, are looking at is kind of how you train and develop your staff, which I think is key. A Navigator is the largest full service GPO that exclusively focuses on the senior living community. And what that means is we provide products and services that help our members provide a great environment for their residents, such as like MRO, hospitality equipment, food, business products, as well as technology solutions. We actually surround our members with a level of support unmatched in the industry. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, staffing was never perfect. I don't think it ever will be. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, push back on you a little there, Aaron. But, you know, I think we've, we've seen at least almost like a return to the pre-pandemic staffing levels, um, turnover, retention, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's been great. And that's been reassuring. Uh, so now the focus is the, the current team member, uh, that we're working with and what they're looking for. It's a lot of generations years. So how do we attract that? And then how do we retain that? Because a lot of, you know, what, what's out there by way of studies when it comes to that generation Z is it's, they're looking for something new. They're looking for what's, what's next for them. And really it's important to them to have a healthy work environment that shows upward ability for growth, as well as the ability to make an impact on wherever they're working, which becomes yeah. a challenge when you're just, when you're hiring line level team members. So, you know, creating an environment, working to really create an environment that's appealing for that to encourage that retention. So creating ladders for growth and development whether that's expanding infrastructure and showing them that sticking around over time and hard work will get them where they need to be. 
Additionally, really going back down in the opposite direction is working with our current director level positions to really create a healthy and inviting environment for those team members. As you've seen, there's, you know, over the past few years, we've seen a lot of client quitting. We've seen a lot of just stopping to show up to work if they're not happy. So how do we create that environment um, that isn't just the standard, we do a pizza party once a month or once a quarter, of yeah. how are we creating that daily recognition for our teams and showing them a, it's a great place to work, but also there's so much opportunity if you stay here and giving them the outlook to listen to them and feel like they do have a safe space where they're able to share their ideas and encouraging our directors to listen to those ideas. Some of them might be an idea that pans out some of them and a majority of them may not, but at the end of the day, they want to feel like they're being listened to and they want to feel like they're making an impact on the organization. Yeah. No, when I think about the Gen Z like checklist, I think, yeah, you know, they want a good culture. They want social responsibility. They want the culture to, to grow with them. They want to be able to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And, you know, you're checking all the boxes when you say, come with us and grow into something that you can be more than just a, a server in the dining room or a chef or a sous chef in the kitchen. And it's such an important thing that I think a lot of operators need to spend more time focusing on doing that. And so as we kind of wrap up here, I wanted to ask you this question because I read an article that literally came out today. It's January 8th as we're recording this. And the, the question for you is, are we ready for the silver tsunami, right? Because um, in a recent report from Nick, the 80 plus population is supposed to increase by 4% this year, but by next year it's 12% and then almost by 25% in 2027. So, I mean, we're talking about that kind of exponential curve up, it's here. And so are we ready operationally? Are we ready for that? What are you seeing around that? Yeah. I can say we are ready. You know, we're, we, we've been getting ready and preparing for it and doing a lot of fun stuff to be ready for it. I think one of the things that we've done is reopened our new development pipeline over the past year. So we're looking to add several communities in uh, 2024, 2025. And that, you know, when you talk about the Silver Tsunami, when we talk about baby boomers and we talk about all the things that we've talked about with trends and wellness. What has been great about new development is it gives us the opportunity to experiment and yeah. build our communities around more. It's like in one of our properties that will be opening in Roseville, which is in the Sacramento area, we're putting the tonal workout equipment in the gym, which is different. And that's foreign yeah. problem, a lot of community, yeah. uh, but that's new and that's fun and that's exciting. Uh, and being able to put things like that club level lounge with smoothies and juices. So, Having restarting a new development pipeline and really getting aggressive with it gives us just opportunity to make changes to the plant and property and see what works and play around and have a lot of fun and be really appealing to the incoming resident and that baby boomer. If it's creating a different type of dining venue over the past few years, we, you know, as we discussed with global cuisine, there's been a lot more interest in different dining types. So we put some walks in some of our exhibition kitchens to kind of show off a different type of cooking style. Like I said, creating some things around health and fitness, creating more bar, loungy, quick service type venues 
it's not only a growth of, you know, units available, but also adapting, experimenting and building and curtailing those around the incoming booner. If we want to maintain our edge in California and, you know, be aggressive in a very food-centric, tech-centric state, we need to make sure that we're putting that at the forefront as we continue to grow and develop. And, and that's what we've really been focusing on as we continue to develop new communities is how can we continue to do that? How can we invest in technology? How can we invest in our culinary program, build yeah. out our infrastructure and make changes to the plant and property to be extremely appealing and be like kind of a juggernaut in California? Yeah. And I think there's some flexibility, it sounds like, being designed into this as well, right? Because Yes, you could do Asian cuisine with a walk or this or that, but you you got to have the ability when you think about development for the variety of menus and trying, you can't just plop in that institutional 400 gallon tilt skillet, you know, right. and, and hope that that'll make it work. And I think a lot of operators would benefit from, as they do start to pick up their development, looking at things like what you're talking about, because, you know, that same Nick report was talking about, we're going to need almost 800,000 additional units by 2030. And mm -hmm. so that's a lot of heads and beds that are going to need great quality food service. And they're going to want a lot of variety with it. So Andrew, this has been a great conversation. I'm excited that we're kicking off 2024 with, with this kind of forward look. And I appreciate all your time and I look forward to uh, talking with you again really soon on Tips and Trestle. Yeah, thanks for having me. Look forward to the next time. So there it is, everybody. Another one in the books. Thanks again for tuning in. Please follow, like, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Tips from Trestle. You can also learn more about the work I do by following me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. And be sure to check out Trestle Hospitality Concepts at www.trestlehospitalityconcepts.com. I'm your host, Aaron Fish, and this has been another episode of Tips from Trestle.